Welcome, all praises to the Most High, Ahaya, Asha, Ahaya. I'm Boyce Washington, and on the other side of me is Pastor Richard Washington. And we say shalom and welcome to the Science of the Covenant podcast. This is a podcast where we will study the Bible, the biblical covenant, and what that means for us today. Before we get started, we need our listeners' participation. We are moving towards having a live show where you can interact with us. But we need your help. So if you could be so kind to go to our website, psycove.com, S as in Sam, C as in Cat, I as in Iris, C as in Cat, O as in Oscar, V as in Victor.com. Again, psycove.com. And fill out our less than 20 second survey. It would be much appreciated. We want to know what days and times available, which day and time you would most be able to listen live. So we appreciate it if you could go and take a quick survey. So do you have your Bibles ready, your pen, your pad, your computer, your tablet, your phone to take notes? Let's begin our study as we continue learning more about Yah's covenant and how it applies to us. Now I'll turn it over to my co-host. Okay, thank you very much, son. I want to continue where we left off. Uh, when we left off last week, we were talking about how when Adam and Eve sinned, how it alienated them from the anointing, and the anointing came from Elohim, they no longer had that. And then we went into some of the alienations uh, when it dealt with the anthropology, anthropological uh, side and how he was alienated uh, from the earth and alienated from his wife, alienated in a number of the areas. And we looked at the dichotomies of the psychological, uh, the physical, and also the spiritual nature of man. So there are some other alienations, but we're not going to go into all of them. We're going to kind of have a little change of venue here as we deal uh, with the blood covenant. And thus far, we have dealt with some of the alienations which transgression has caused. However, this at this juxtaposition, what we want to consider is what we entitled this discourse directional deliverance of Adam. We want to look at the directional deliverance of Adam. And our first text that we want to look at is found in the Gospel of John. And in the Gospel of John, we want to turn to chapter number three, and there's a few verses we want to consider as we deal with directional deliverance. So, so here we look in the Gospel of John, and in this particular uh, third chapter is what we want to look at. And here in John, the Gospel, chapter 3, and we want to first look at verse 5. Here it says, And Yeshua answered, Verily, verily I say unto thee, except a man be born, of the water of water and of spirit, 
he cannot enter into the kingdom of Elohim. Now here it points out about two births. You have to be born of the water and then born of the spirit. And then when we go down to verse number 15 of the same chapter, it says, it said that who's, well, actually, we're going to, let me see. Oh, yeah. Okay. Well, actually, uh, we go to verse 14 and 15. It says, and as Moses lifted up the serpent in the wilderness, even so must the Son of Man be lifted up, that whosoever believeth in him should not perish, but have everlasting, but have eternal life. All right, so what we have here is three things. He told him he had to be born of the water, that's one, and of the spirit. But remember, we're talking about the blood covenant, and what we're looking at is directional deliverance. Now, if you recall, in our last study, in a few weeks ago, we were pointing out that when Yehoah moves towards us, he starts with the spirit, and then he goes to the water, and then to the blood. But when we deal with the directional deliverance of Adam, man starts with the blood, he moves to the water, and then eventually to the spirit. So when we look at this particular passage in John, even though he talks about Moses lifting up the serpent in the wilderness as the son of man will be lifted up, uh, when we start our spiritual journey with him, we start when the son of man was lifted up, which is at the cross. So when he was lifted up, he was given redemption for us. And once we, by faith, claim his death, then we have his blood. And then from the blood, we go to the water, and then from the water to the Holy Spirit. So what we are seeing is that Elohim starts with the spirit, moves to the water, and then the blood, we start at the blood, move to the water, and then the spirit. So this is what we want to consider in directional deliverance of Adam. We are primarily interested in the respective angles by which fallen man approaches redemption. As we pursue this area of our studies, we'll also be introducing some other terms which up until now weren't known. However, as we introduce these terms, we will also define and explain them. Let us consider, let us again understand what is meant by directional deliverance. When we speak in terms of directional deliverance, it is basically has to do with the direction which one would go to be redeemed. Man's plan of salvation is laid out in such a way that one must follow the path Yehoah has given. Now keep in mind that there is only one way to go in order to be saved. Yet in this one way, there are two directions to go. However, the two directions aren't on different paths, but rather they are on the same path. What we would like to point out are the two ways on the same path. These two ways involve both Yehoah and man. Yehoah comes one way on the path and man comes another way on the same path. We have observed how 
the direction which Elohim takes on the road of redemption. Now let us pursue the academic way of salvation, which we'll refer to as the anthropological way. Now we've dealt with the theological uh, way of salvation. Now we're going to deal with the anthropological way of redemption. Now the anthropological way of redemption in the anthropological way of redemption, we are observing man's way of coming into deliverance from sin by Yeshua, the Messiah. And what we want to see is the way man comes into salvation by Yeshua on the path of redemption in order to see which way the fallen people comes, we again want to lay out the elements of salvation, which are the blood, the water, and the spirit. We must not only see them as redemptive elements by which we are saved, but we must also see them as a redemptive map by which man travels the path of salvation. Now, this path we call the anthropological roadway to salvation. Let us examine this, this road. The anthropological roadway to salvation. The roadway of salvation has three journeys. Man takes in order to be redeemed. He starts his journey of salvation with his blood and moves to the water and then to the spirit. Let us consider each of these journeys separately. We will refer to these journeys respectively as the blood journey or what we call the bloody journey, the watery journey, and the windy journey. These three journeys man uh, has to embark upon. Man starts with the bloody journey, so let us start there as well. So the first one we will look at is the bloody journey. That's where man has to start. He can start no other place. In dealing with the bloody journey, we discover that after the first innocent couple polluted their blood by transgression, they were in need of pure blood. In order for man to experience redemption, he has to first exchange the old sinful blood for the new sinless blood of Yeshua, our Messiah. Yeshua was the promised one to come to give us his blood, which is representative of the promise to give to fallen man his blood of purity. And so when we look at Genesis 3.15, when it talks about he would put enmity between thee and the woman and the woman's seed against his seed, it was pointing to the cross when they would have a conflict, but there was a promise that he would come. And when he had come, then he would supply the necessary blood or the necessary life that was needed in order to redeem man. So when man uh, looks to Elohim for redemption, he can start with the pure blood of Yeshua Ever since man has fallen from his pure and holy estate, Elohim has offered to him the pure and holy blood of his son. Such blood was offered from the first slain 
of an animal to close the once holy couple. His same sacrificial system, Adam and Eve learned from their creator, would also be passed down to Cain and Abel, their two sons. Then from them on down to the succeeding patriarchs and prophets and priests and the people through the sacrificial system up until the true lamb of Elohim would come to give his life atonement for the guilty race. So every, every lamb, every ram, every goat, every bullock, every pigeon, or every turtle dove pointed to the crucifixion of Yeshua, our Messiah. What was needed for these sacrificial animals was their blood. And we are told in Leviticus chapter 17 and verses 11 and 14, in, in these two respective verses, uh, the Bible tells us that the life is in the blood. If the blood is pure, that would mean that the life in the blood is pure. If the blood is impure, that would mean that the life in the blood is impure. Now, the first Adam was given the pure life of Yehoah into his blood. However, by transgression, such pure life resorted in an impure life, producing impurity or impure blood. It is the blood that houses the life, and if that blood becomes impure, the house is impure. Because transgression rendered the first holy couple impure, they were in need of a new blood, which meant they were in need of a new life to house the blood. This new life blood has been offered to fallen mankind by the son of Elohim and also is also the son of man being the second Adam. So when we see that man has to start with the blood, he starts with his own blood as he reaches out to Yeshua's blood. And when he reaches out for Yeshua's blood and Yeshua has the right blood, they want to exchange their blood. They want to exchange their lives. The sinner for the righteousness and the righteous for the sinner. So the question is, how do we get this blood? How do we get it? We get this pure, holy, and sanctified blood from Yeshua. The lifeblood of our Messiah supplies us with his blood. We obtain this blood by faith by believing in the pure, innocent blood of Yeshua who lived and taught us the perfect life. Once having his journey through faith in his blood, we are now ready for the watery journey. Let us now consider the watery journey which follows the blood. The water, the water journey, journeying in this aspect of our journey, we have what we refer to as the blood and the water, of which we refer to as the hemo-aqua journey. 
In this journey, the blood of man interacts with the water to bring about a transferring of the life of the blood of that of the water. And this juxtaposition, whatever or whoever comes by the water would receive an endorsement of blood. It is at this stage of man's journey that we find that man gets ready to meet the father of mankind and to bring about salvation. When we go back to the creation story, what we find is that after the waters experienced the blood of Adam was sanctified, then eventually the waters were separated from the dry ground or the dry land, which is called earth. And it was from the earth that man was created from. And because the blood of man had been sanctified by the water and the water had been sanctified and the water had sanctified the earth, then Elohim could make us or Elohim could use of the sanctified earth to make a man in his image and likeness again when it comes to salvation. He could again breathe his spirit into man. He redeemed he redeemed him because as he accepted the blood of Yeshua, that is pure blood. So he could again breathe his spirit into man. He redeemed because the person redeemed from sin was sanctified, holy, perfect through the blood of Yeshua, the Messiah. Now that the man, you know, and now that the man, Yahuwah redeemed was holy, sanctified, pure, and innocent. Yah can interact with him without reservation. So what we want to notice is that when Yahuwah breathed his breath into the first person, Adam, his blood was being given life. Adam was the first living temple upon this earth his blood howls the life of his creature. Even so, when we are baptized in water, our old life of sin is washed away and our new life of righteousness makes us living temples upon this earth with the blood of Yeshua housed in us. By man housing the blood of Yeshua, this meant that he was a part of the family of Yahuwah, which includes the father, his son, and the angelic host. Man becomes a living person through the blood and the water to be a part of Yahuwah's family. This process of becoming a part of Yah's family is referred to as being born of the water or the new birth or the second birth or born again. We are given this new birth, which is a process whereby we must be born spiritually from a woman, just like 
in our physical birth, we come forth from a woman. Who is the woman who gives us this spiritual birth? The woman who gives us this spiritual birth is the bride of the Messiah, his wife, the church. When we come through the waters of baptism, which is the womb of the woman, which is the church, we are born again into Yah's family, which is composed of the Father, his son, and his angels. Being a part of such a family meant that one would not only have a spiritual bond with Yeshua and the Father, but in order to maintain such a bond, the life must remain sanctified, pure, and innocent. Therefore, when man through his mother, the church, is reconciled, to their relationship with the Father, they are given the Father's Holy Spirit. And this takes us on to the windy journey. So once we have the blood to cleanse us, then we go to the baptism to wash away our sin and maintain the life of Yeshua. And once we are clean, then we began to start the windy journeying. In the wind, in the windy journeying, this deals with the bestower of Yah's spirit upon the newborn person of the family of Yahuwah. Now that we have reached the Holy Spirit status, we are to be led by His spirit until the coming of the Messiah in the clouds of glory. When man starts his journeying towards Elohim for deliverance, he starts by the blood of Yeshua, the son of Yah. However, once having been cleansed by the blood of Yeshua and baptized by water, our next step is to be baptized with the spirit of Elohim. What we notice in creation, we also notice in salvation. When Elohim commenced the creation, we are told in Genesis 1-2 that his spirit moved upon the face of the waters. It is his spirit which paved the way for his creation to take place. Elohim always starts his journey with his spirit. As we see this spiritual principle enacted, in creation, even so, do we see it also enacted in salvation. In order for Yahuwah to bring about our salvation, he starts his journey to us word with his spirit. When we come out of the water, we become candidates for the receiving of his Holy Spirit to start afresh with us to receive, to receive it. Even though Yahuwah starts his spiritual traveling to usward, yet he cannot interact with sinful beings of the fallen race until they are washed in the blood of Yeshua, cleansed through the water of baptism for Yahuwah's Holy Spirit to be given them. 
Remember that it is our transgressions and sins and iniquities which both alienated and concealed us from him. In like manner, it is Yeshua's righteousness, holiness, and sinlessness which both reconciles and unites us to him. Once we are atoned for, he can again endorse us with his Holy Spirit of promise. Consequently, if the spirit of Yahuwah comes upon righteous, rightful, uh, r- righteous, right- rightfulness, or right- rightful beings, what does he do? So once the Holy Spirit comes upon a person who has the sins washed away and all the iniquities gone, what does the Spirit do? He moves upon the waters, awaiting those who would be regenerated through the water of baptism. So when we look at the directional deliverance, Elohim starts with the Spirit and he moves to the water. And then when man starts his redemptive journey, he starts at the blood and moves to the water. And so what we see here is that when Yeshua uh, was showing us the way of salvation and he was baptized in the water, the Holy Spirit came down. And when we look at that scenario, what we're looking at is that Elohim is coming one way through the Spirit and we're coming another way through the blood. And we meet at the water. And when we meet at the water, the Bible says that when Yeshua was baptized, the Holy Spirit came down. In other words, it was showing how he'd meet at the water. So when we are baptized, we too meet him at the water. The Holy Spirit should come down upon us. And then what do we see? We see also in the life of the Israelites when they were in Egypt. In, a, in order for them to get the redemption that they needed, they had to start with the blood, which was the Passover. And then when they got the blood of the Passover, then they had to go to the Red Sea. And then when they got to the Red Sea, the Bible says that an east wind blew and separated the waters, which is an indication that man started with the blood of the lamb or the blood of the goat. And then he moved to the waters. And then he moved to the waters. He had the power of the Holy Spirit. And another scenario that we see also is that in the sanctuary, when they came to the sanctuary, one of the first pieces of furniture there was the altar of burnt offerings. And then when you have the altar of burnt offerings, that was the sacrifice. And that was where the blood they obtained. And then from the blood, man or the priest, they moved to the labor where the water was to, in order to wash away the blood, which was the washing away of the sin. And then when they went into the first apartment of the sanctuary, then the only light that they saw in there was the light of the seven branch menorah with the seven lamps given light. So the altar was where the blood, the labor was for the water and the light for the Holy spirit. So what we see here, man always starts with the blood. When it comes to the plan of redemption, he moves to the water and Elohim meets him at the water. And when he meets him at the water, he gives him the power of the Holy spirit. Elohim starts with the spirit. Then he moves to the water and he waits for those who come out of the water to give them the power of the Holy Spirit because they have the blood of Yeshua that has washed their 
souls and laid them clean. And then they washed away the sins in the water. And Elohim said, you are now ripe for the Holy Spirit. And we are looking for the outpouring of the Holy Spirit that when Elohim's church get right, just like on the day of the Pentecost, then Elohim met them and they received the outpouring of the power of the Holy Spirit. And they understand that about 3,000 souls was one in a day. And once we receive the full manifestation of the outpouring of the Holy Spirit, then there are going to be thousands, even 10,000 that are going to come into the fold of Elohim because we have gotten sin out of our lives and allow the power of the Holy Spirit to have his full way within each of us. Okay, we want to stop there and maybe some observations or some questions as we have dealt with directional deliverance of Adam, which is the direction no deliverance of man, the way that we have to go in order to get salvation. Okay, so you said, just to reiterate, that man starts with the blood mm-hmm. and the water and the spirit. Mm-hmm. And Yahuwah starts with the spirit mm-hmm. and moves to the water. Mm-hmm. Now, where does the blood come in with Yahuwah? Okay. Now remember, remember that the uh, man starts with the blood. Mm-hmm. Okay, so when he goes and asks for forgiveness for his sins, then what happens is is that he gives at the cross at the crucifixion of Yeshua, Yeshua by faith. He gives his life of sin to Yeshua, mm-hmm. and Yeshua gives his life of righteousness to the sinner. Okay. So when the sinner goes to get baptized, then those sins that he has given to Yeshua goes down into the water of the grave, but he still has the blood of Yeshua. He's washing away the old life, mm-hmm. but the new life is still in him. So when he moves to the water and Elohim moves from the spirit to the water, then by the time he gets to the person who is baptized, that person who is baptized have the blood of Yeshua. So there's the blood there. Okay. Now you said, uh, that when Yahuwah breathed into Adam, you said he activated something within Adam. What was that again? Well, what he, what he did, he activated the blood. Uh, see the Bible says that the life is in the blood. Okay. Okay. So if you say the life is in the blood, then if you take life out of the blood, all you got is blood. So when he put, when he breathed into Adam, the life into his blood, he was activated and he became a, a living uh, human creature. Mm. But see, our blood, it houses the life of Elohim. And so when we house the life of Elohim in our blood, then we are pure. But when Adam and Eve sinned, then that polluted their blood because it, their life was polluted. And as a result, that was, that was polluted, polluted blood. So once it had become polluted, they had to exchange it for pure blood. And that was prophesied through all of the sacrifices, the prophets and everything spoke of it. And every sacrifice pointed to Yeshua who was coming to give the world that blood, which means he was coming to give that perfect life. Okay. 
So you said also once once uh Yahuwah atones for our sins, <coughs> then we can move on from there and go to uh is that where the spirit comes in after he atones for our sins? Well, when he atones for our sins, uh it's like I was reading in the book of John, he said, I if I be lifted up. You know, then I would draw all men unto me. So what he's saying is that once you accept his sacrifice, he said, for Elohim so loved the world, he gave his only begotten son, that whosoever believeth in him should not perish, but have eternal life. In other words, when he was lifted up on the cross and we accept him, his sacrifice, which means we accept his blood, which means we accept his life. And once we accept that, then once we are washed through baptism, then we become candidates for the for for the Holy Spirit. See, he's waiting to pour out his Holy Spirit. And as we keep ourselves cleansed on a daily basis by the water of the word, every day when we take the water of the word and cleanse our lives, he is saying, I'm gonna give you more and more of the Holy Spirit. So the qualification is simply is we accept his blood, which is his life. And we wash away our sins, which is the word constantly washing us. And then automatically he gives us the power of the Holy Spirit. That's the process. Wow. That sounds like a very powerful process for us to be redeemed. Uh Uh-huh. Well, I guess we can head on to the next part. Up next is Let's Talk About That. Welcome to our new segment, Let's Talk About That. And today I kind of want to talk about something that is starting to catch fire in the world and how it relates also in Scripture. Is a term I'm hearing parents call raising their kids as babies. They bees. And if you're not familiar with the term, it's basically where parents are raising their child to where the child at some point will decide what gender they want to be. So basically defying everything that Yahuwah has done. Well, when he was created us saying what we should be, because is it not in the scripture where Yahuwah says, uh, that he knew us in the womb. Uh, what is that? An observation that you? No, I was asking. Was that rhetorical? Or? No, no, no. I was asking because isn't doesn't it say in the scripture? Uh, does that refer to us, or does that just refer to a certain circumstance of that he knew us in the womb? Uh, well, let me see. Uh, yeah, that not only a circumstance, but it's also. Uh, when he says you know you, he, he knows every part about you. Uh-huh. Okay, let us let us uh, let's turn to Psalms 139th division. Okay, Psalms 139. Okay, and when we look at that uh, 139th division, there's a number of passages that we can kind of substantiate what you are alluding to. 
Now, when we look at, uh, let us say, when we look at verse number uh, 13, it says, For thou hast possessed my reins, and thou hast covered me in my mother's womb. Okay. Okay. He said, I will praise thee, for I am fearfully and wonderfully made. Marvelous are thy works, and that my soul knoweth right well. Now, here's the part we'll look at number f- verse 15, 139. It says, My substance was not hid from thee when I was in secret and curiously wroth in the lowest parts of the earth. Thine eyes did see my substance. Now, notice what it says. He says, uh, even before he had come forth, Elohim knew all about him. And verse 16 says, Thine eyes did see my substance, yet then unperfect. And in thy book, all my members were written, which in countenance were fashioned, when as yet there was none of them. So what he's basically saying, I got a book. And everything about you, all your cells, your blood, your bone, your skin, your organs, your hair, and everything, he said, I had that in a book. And he said, even before your substance developed, I already know you. I, I got I got everything already uh, here. Okay. And he said, yeah. And so uh, he says that he knows whether you're going to be male or female and all of that. So a person doesn't choose for oneself who one is. A person is whom God has made him to be because mm-hmm. To, for they be to say they're going to give their son or their daughter the ability to say what they want to be, male or female, uh, that doesn't hold. That's just like me saying to you, I'm going to hold off and I'm going to let my children grow and they can choose what they want to be. Mm-hmm. They may choose to be a dog or a cat, but that's that. <laughs> Does that mean that they're going to be a dog or a cat? No, because the thing is, the Bible says everything reproduces after its kind. Human beings reproduce after humankind, and animals produce after animals' kind. And then, by the same token, if you got a seed for a female, then you also have a seed for a male. And once they come out, you can't change, you cannot uh, define who you are because it's already been defined for you. Now, there are those who get sex changes and, and things of that sort, but the fact is, on this, on a level whereby one is actually a girl and actually a boy, and you say you're going to let them make the choice, the choice has already been made. There's no choice yeah. to make. True. But, you, you know, it's funny how you, you said about the beast um, that, you know, what if somebody said, I want to be a dog or I'm, I'm not a man or female, I'm a cat. It kind of makes sense how later on, if the wickedness still progresses, that that's how maybe they will bring in bestiality. You know. Yeah, well, that's true. Uh, Bishality is mostly uh, 
among nations that dis- disregard all of the Torah and they don't look at the Torah to see that Elohim uh, said in the Torah that man should not neighbor with another man and neither sell a uh, man or a woman lay with a beast. So if you are void of those laws in your society and you're not taught them, then you will be in violation of the Torah, but now people don't know the Torah, so they don't know even in doing that, they are in violation of Elohim's uh, uh, way that he has built man and woman. Yeah, to me, it sounds like it's uh, outright defiance. I mean, you know, uh, if for someone to go against what Yahuwah has said you was going to be, and then you turn around and said, no, nah, this is not for me. I mean, to me, it's basically saying that God is a liar. In my opinion, that if you saying you was you was born a boy and that you should be a man or vice versa, a woman was born a woman should be a man. You know, to uh-huh. me, who are we really to question Yahuwah? Yeah, that's true. And now the other thing we have to look at uh, is, is this, is that when you deal with changes like that, especially when we are dealing with normal people, we, you know, when normal people are saying, hey, even though I was born a woman, but I want to be a man, or I was born a man, I want to be a woman. Mm-hmm. Now, if when healthy people like this, is coming into the world and the parents are saying they want they be to make the decision mm-hmm. then what 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 they are they are saying that they want the children to make a decision but Elohim said I've already made a decision so what yeah. you don't like my decision? <laughs> yeah. Okay now the other thing that I think is at at the root of of uh, people saying that I don't want to be the gender in which I've been created. They are trying to change his order. See, that's what they're trying to do is change his order of things. Mm -hmm. They are saying, I got a better order than what you have given me. So when you want to change the order, that is the, that is the carnal transgression or sin that one can do is when he tried to change Elohim's order of things, because he has a certain order. And this is what the devil is doing is trying to change his order. And in changing his order, he has defined the creation, which Elohim has built. So we, we cannot change his order because to change his order would, would mean that, uh, what he did was not right. Yeah. And everything he did was his righteousness and peace and all of his judgments are good. So, so we can't say that if you change the order, you change it to something better. No, no, you're not. To change his order is to change it to a sinful thing. True. And I think that's, that's what a lot of people don't think about is that, like you said, is changing it to a sinful thing. But, you know, in these days and times, you know, if no one, if they're not really getting this from anyone, and especially in these churches, if these guys aren't really teaching it, how are they to really find out? You know, because it seemed like wickedness 
is so intermingled now with some of the things that are spiritual that sometimes it's hard to see what's right from wrong. You know, that's true. That's when, uh, even as we were studying today about the Holy Spirit, the Holy Spirit has to lead you to his word. Yeah. And if you're properly led, taught in his word, then you can be have some discernment as to why these things are corrupt. But if you don't have no discernment in his word, then if everybody is doing it, you begin to align yourself with what's going on in the world rather than his word. And that's one of the problems uh, is that there's a love of the world that we are holding on to and trying to deal with the Bible at the same time, but we're not really getting into the Bible as we should, that the Holy Spirit can anoint us to be able to see many of the things that the worldly leaders have accepted. We cannot, yeah. you know, they, they would tell you, well, uh, if you don't like people who are basically, uh, have accepted the same sex gender and want to marry the same sex that we are homophobic. Well, I don't, I don't know if that's the case. We're yeah. not saying we homophobic. We are saying that we want to follow what Elohim got to say. Because if you say I'm homophobic because a two men or two women marry, then I can say that you are heterophobic. Yeah, that's what I was about to say. If a man and woman, you know, get get married. So I don't yeah. I don't think it's, it's so much that. But what we are saying is that Elohim loves everybody, but he's saying, I love you enough, but I want you to follow my covenant. Yeah. Because that's what I gave it to you to follow. So if you saying you want to go your way and you saying I'm putting the covenant out of the way and I'm going to establish my own covenant. So true. And I, I think a lot of that's what happened with a lot of religions is that they are putting away Yahuwah's covenant and going by their own way. And that's uh -huh. why a lot of these things are being accepted in a lot of these religions and in, in churches and whatnot. Uh -huh. you know? Yeah. Well, it's a dangerous, dangerous uh, thing. If it, it is, it really is, you know, and it, that's how, you know, uh, we see that. Dang, lost my thought, but yeah, uh -huh. you're right. You're all right. Well, can you uh, get ready and take us to the throne? Okay. And, uh, what we'll do is to invite his presence to continue with us that we can certainly be Torah keeping people and certainly keep his covenant that even though with all of these different nuances and philosophies and ideologies come up that we don't get caught in those sinful practices. Yeah. Okay. Yeah. I love and father as we look to you at this time. Thank you that we can look to your covenant and to be able to define and to explain and to examine the ways of the world that we may not find ourselves adopting the philosophy of the worldliest situations that we be encountered into such things, but to be able to discern between your covenant and man's covenant so that we can make the distinctions and walk in the light of what you have given. Thank you for our knowledge of it. And as we continue to study your covenant 
that you would be with us and embrace us. Give us the power of your Holy Spirit to be able to continue to walk in it. Give us the wisdom of Solomon, O Heavenly Father, that when he was trying to decide who the baby was among the two women, you gave him wisdom enough that he was able to tell his servant to divide the baby. And when the woman spoke out and said, let her have it, Solomon knew that that was the mother's instinct. And he said, give this woman the child for this other woman who would allow the sword to go through the child could not be the true mother. And so we ask that you would give us wisdom that as we walk through this world, that we may have the discretion and the understanding of how to be able to distinctively understand between that which is right and wrong. Sometimes we come into gray areas that we don't know what is what. And we ask at those particular times that you will give us a special anointing to be able to see what is right and wrong. Now, Father, as we continue to make a good distinction, O Heavenly Father, <clears throat> between how the world lives and how the true child of Elohim should live, that you would grace our presence. And as we accept the blood, which is the life of Yeshua, that as we internalize that, that the power of the Holy Spirit can take the life of Yeshua interwoven with our life and have us to live out his life. And as a result, we can give a true example of how a child of Elohim should live. Now, Father, as we go through the rest of this week and look forward to the broadcast next week, that the power of the Holy Spirit can keep us, but we cannot keep ourselves. In Yeshua's name, we do ask it, and for his dear sake, we do pray. Amen. Amen. And amen. Amen. Well, that is our podcast for this week. Before we go, if you could please go to our website and fill out our two-question survey, it would be much appreciated. If you have any questions or comments, email us at scienceofthecovenant at gmail.com. But the mercy of Yahuwah is from everlasting to everlasting upon them that fear him and his righteousness until his children's children to such as guard his covenant and to those that remember his commandments to do them. Until next week. Shalom. I didn't mean um, you could have went longer, Dad. Well, what I was trying to do was just finish that part because I'm, I'm going to come up with oh, another okay. part. I didn't want to start another one. Okay. I just wanted to complete that one. Then next week when I do it, I could have another solid piece, which I, you know, okay. I possibly could have weaving some of that in, but I want to have, you know, just like a, a complete package each time if I can.